This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. My gosh, you boys already know. I'm not letting that Ramsey boy come over and play until you clean up your rooms. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, neighbors and friends. Have we met yet? If not, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, a.k.a. The Closer. You know, I'm the guy they they bring in when the... Never mind, if I gotta explain it, jeez. On today's show from the Couple Money Podcast and author of the new book with the creative name Couple Money, help us welcome El Martinez. Also, we'll share a headline about comedian and actor Tracy Morgan, throw out the Haven Lifeline to Susan, who asks about taking out a student loan to establish credit, answer your letter from the mailbag, and more. And here they are, two guys who it becomes harder and harder to think of introductions for, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-J. It's easy. Just say they're awesome. It's Greatest all- show on earth. <laughs> I got all sorts of ones. There it is. That we haven't used yet. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Monday. Another five days and you get to start it with the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me today, the lighting's not so good today. The one and only OG. That's probably good that the lighting's not good. It's a little rainy in the basement. A little rainy. Those little windows that... Let in a little bit of light from the basement windows. No light today, man. No. No. Which it's makes a little it moist. Makes make it easy. Which makes it a good day to be back at work. You know what else it's a good day for? It's a good day for statistics because check this out. I don't know if you saw this, but did you know that according to a 2016 Gallup Poology, about 48% of all Americans say they don't own any stock whatsoever? Hmm. That's a little annoying. Yeah. Well, guess what? M1 Finance they're out to change this trend and help everyone really be invested. They built an incredibly powerful and yet amazingly simple online investing tool. You can open up an account with as little as 100 bucks, and the first 1000 you invest in the platform is free. And after that, it's only 0.25. I probably shouldn't do that. And after that, it's only 0.25% for portfolios up to $100,000. And it's a super low 0.15% on accounts that maintain a balance over $100,000. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designated portfolio pies, as they call them, or you can customize it to your liking by selecting any security from the NASDAQ or the NYSE. The tremendous thing about M1 is it really grows with you as your needs change over time. So give it a try. Check out M1 Finance today by going to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance.com or download their mobile app on iOS or Android, M1 Finance. 
be invested. And by the way, another way you can help the show, Amazon. No, they're not a sponsor, but we are an affiliate of Amazon. So here's what you do when you're getting ready to go to Amazon.com and buy your favorite podcaster's gifts, which most people do, don't they? On National Podcasting Day. Is there a national? Which is just about every other week. <laughs> it, 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 it comes around. I think it's like the, the uh, third Tuesday and fifth Tuesday of every month. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Amazon. Just a few more keystrokes. And you know what Amazon does? They send us a little thank you for sending you their way. Still very easy to use Amazon. Still get the same great Amazon prices, but you also help out the podcast. This podcast lineup today doesn't need any help. Elle Martinez, our fantastic friend Elle coming down to the basement. She's the host of Couple Money. You know, this show is what they call an indie podcast, independently produced podcast. Elle's podcast okay. is also an indie podcast, but it sounds like an NPR podcast. It's, it's like a thousand times better, huh? It is it, it, it is slick. Yeah, good stuff. So very happy that she could come in here and talk about stuff that's not just important for couples. She's talking money dates. So if you date anybody, you want to, want to add a little money. Yeah, what's your FICO score? Right. First question you ask any potential date, I'll have, right? I'll have the salad. And uh, also, you can tell me a little bit about your retirement plan balances. I don't know anything about Tinder, but wouldn't it be funny if instead of photos or lines about people, it was just their FICO score and you swiped one way or the other? Net worth statement. Right. There was, a, there was a gag thing that they had that was like you could buy like a pad of ATM receipts. So it looked like an ATM receipt was like a pad of paper. Yeah. And it would show like, you know, cash withdrawal, $200, ending balance, 178000 had like a big number on it, right? The gag was you would take a couple of these receipts, crumple them up and throw them in your pocket. And then you know, if you're going to give somebody your number, you'd go, oh, hey, I just got a piece of paper right here. <laughs> and you give me your number on the back of this thing. And then, you know, the next day they would unfold it, see the number from this creepy dude from the bar, but then go, well, you know. Yeah. I'll lower my standards for $200,000 in a bank account. But it obviously it was fake. They could probably... Probably uh, a great make, idea, by the way. Making a section fantastic. Yeah, you you have those, don't you? You still have to show those to Mrs. OG every time. <laughs> every, every, time. every weekend. You guys talk about, no, we're not doing anything together. Oh, hey, uh, could you, uh, yeah. Well, here's my number in case you change your mind. <laughs> right. Uh, big show today, but first we got some headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. First headline comes to us from the Daily Mail. Walmart insurer demands that Tracy Morgan, comedian actor Tracy Morgan, turn over medical records and income statements and testify over car crash settlement in which the comedian received $90 million without ever being deposed. Do you think that he has to testify? I testify! It says insurance company Ohio Casualty is demanding Tracy Morgan cough up records pertaining to his 2015 multi-million dollar crash settlement with Walmart. The company seeking medical records, information regarding the comedian's income and future earning potential. Basically, what happened here is that the insurer allegedly is upset with Walmart that they settled it so quickly. And Tracy Morgan and another gentleman involved in this car accident in this $90 million settlement have been seen driving Lamborghinis. And their question is... How are you able to get around so well and do things so well if it seemed like you were pretty bad off at the time? Wasn't this accident quite a while ago? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, well, it's been two years. 
two years of intense physical therapy and ninety million dollars will make a lot of pain go away. I, I, I don't I don't know much about this particular case, but I will say it was a really bad accident. It was a horrible. I, I don't know accident. much about it either. It was a Walmart truck driver or truck, something. Yeah. Did something. I don't know. I, I don't know whose fault it was, but I'll tell you what this is a great segue into though, is disability insurance in general. You know, so Tracy Morgan gets this gets this uh, settlement. And sure it's a settlement, not a disability coverage, but you know, you see these people that try to f- fake disabilities. And I'm not at all saying Tracy Morgan's faking a disability here. They'll come back after that money. Oh, they absolutely will. They'll send private investigators to watch you take your neck collar off so that you can go play golf with your really bad back problem that's making it so you can't work. A friend of mine, in fact, is a private investigator and did that very thing. He went out to the golf course where he knew that a guy who was faking a disability was at, and he'd been hired by the insurance company. He, nice. He paid the woman at the golf course. He bribed her. He's like, and, and obviously I'm not telling you the guy's name because- Yeah. Uh, He's like, Joe. Yeah. But he got himself inserted into the force, into this foursome, right? It was a guy and another guy. And so about four or five holes in, he uh, starts complimenting the guy about his great drive and about his great strokes that he's doing because this guy's got no disability whatsoever. And he said, you know, my daughter, he starts, he's been talking about his daughter a little bit. And he said, my daughter is, is an amateur. Can I just, do you mind if I video you while you take a swing? Guy's like, no, man, no problem. He's been feeding him full of crap for the last like three just, holes. Just giving him all sorts of uh, yeah. attaboys, attaboys, attaboys. Yeah. Full. Let me, show, let me show my daughter your fantastic golf swing. And, swing as hard as you can. And I might show the insurance company too. Yeah. Bad day for, for the dude faking yeah. a disability. Don't coverage. lie. Also, that's no. the moral of that story. But what's funny about disability coverage, you know, people talk about how expensive disability coverage is. Part of the reason is, is that so many people do try to fake disabilities. Well, and I think that's why you can't, or at least it's rather very difficult to fully insure all of your income. Yeah. Otherwise, that would be even more. But that's a question too. What percentage of your income should you try to insure though? When you do a financial plan for somebody, how much you try? Like 70%, 80%? I look at it from two perspectives. One is a perspective of how much do we need to just kind of maintain lifestyle, right? So pay the bills, put food on the table, put the roof over your head, that sort of thing. I believe that one of the biggest overlooked pieces with disability is the fact that you're also losing your ability to continue to save. If you're making $100,000 a year and you've got a group policy that pays $60,000 a year, 60% of your income, you're probably going to be okay. You know, you put food on the table with that money and maybe you have a good support system at home and family and stuff like that that'll make sure that you don't go hungry. But the big difference is you were putting 18000 into your 401k and you were planning on doing that for the next 25 years so that you could retire comfortably at 65. And if you don't have that extra money to be able to save, well, disability will end at 65. And then, and what, then do you what do you do? do? Yeah. You know, so I look at it from the perspective of does a group coverage, if, you've, if you're fortunate enough to have group benefits, cover your lifestyle. But then if we also need to cover your ability to save, that's what we're going to add on top of it. A disability insurance, something a lot of people don't get because it's so expensive. And the way I look at it, if you pass There's a reason away, for it. Yeah. And if you pass away, at least the family doesn't have to feed you. So there you so, go. So I think that that's the message. Well, because people go with life insurance first. You got life at insurance. At least yeah. you won't be fed. Disability's worse. They still have to feed you. And, you know, you got to figure out 
Yeah, Retirement expenses, all this stuff. So disability for me was always uh, a number one. Make sure we get coverage on that. Second headline comes to us from the New York Times. Our friend Carl Richards. We haven't talked about Carl in a while. And he's a pretty smart young man there, huh? Carl said, yeah, he's doing okay. Carl, Carl he was said, in India for a while. Was he really? Yeah. I, I did not know that. I was. I follow him on Twitter. He's He's got a lot of, uh, he's doing a lot of traveling preaching the good news. I like this piece where he's also preaching the good news. Listen to this. The headline says, yes, numbers matter in money decisions, but so do emotions. It says, mm-hmm. imagine, imagine you're sitting in an auditorium full of all kinds of people. Everyone's there to learn about what to do with his or her money. All of a sudden, the door of the room opens and in walks the much-anticipated speaker. Who do you think it is? If you said Warren Buffett or the retired Fidelity ace Peter Lynch, you're wrong. The famous speaker is numbers. <laughs> That's right. Numbers. You know numbers, right? Numbers is that really smart person who's always right and always rational and whose suggestions always fit nicely into a calculator or a spreadsheet. Numbers the gatekeeper for truth. And when numbers speak, all your other friends, feelings, emotions, and intuition must shut up and listen. Those are just the rules. If you're like me, most people I know, you'd probably turn to your neighbor and whisper, numbers? Who put that joker in charge? Numbers isn't even human. And yet most of us probably wouldn't raise our hand and ask for a different speaker. My question is, why not? When I think about personal finance, I feel like we've created a world for something we aren't. This world we're made up of is one for Mr. and Ms. Rational Human, a world where numbers are king, where everything else is secondary and unimportant. And he goes on from there. We'll link to it in the show notes. But I love that open because I would say when I was a financial planner, and man, I got to believe in your job, OG, 75% of what you do has nothing to do with the numbers. Well, it's probably even more than that. And a, and a very perfect example is the age-old discussion of should I pay my house off early? The financial answer, the the numbers, says no. you would be a fool to do that. Arbitrage the interest rate. But as I've said to clients before, if you handed me a check for the balance of my mortgage and said, here you go, OG, you can pay your mortgage off or you can invest this money, it would be a really tough decision because Numbers wise, I shouldn't do it. But from an emotional standpoint, boy, that feels pretty good to not owe anybody any money. So that's a really key component to all of all of financial planning isn't so much just the dollars and cents. I mean, frankly, what we do is a giant math problem, right? (laughs) You know, you put in some variables and hit submit and go $195. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was talking about my coach, talking about my financial advisor and about the fact that I just have these people in my life. And this guy said, he's like, well, well, you know, this kind of stuff, you know, right? You study people's motivation. You do a money podcast. Why would you have a coach? Why would you have a financial planner? I'm like, because it's not about that. It's about, I've got a blind side. I've got stuff that I prefer to look at just because I'm me, because I'm human. There's stuff I don't like to look at. And plus, I could say something that is right by the numbers all day long, and Cheryl will never believe it because she's heard my crap a bajillion times. (laughs) Yet, somebody else says it, eyes wide open, ears listening, totally gets it. So having that party, it doesn't have to be a financial planner. I'm just saying that these other points of view, these other ideas, getting those into the discussion really can help you flex things. I was having a conversation with a client a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about investing in different things and specifically in things that I had absolutely no idea 
about, right. like really esoteric, very specific type of investments. Like these weird things called mutual funds. What are those? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but um, my comment to him was, because I don't know anything about this, I'll be a great resource because I'll just look at it from a completely different perspective. You know, you're looking at it from the perspective of an investor and, you know, early round financing person and all, you know, startup guru and all this other sort of stuff. You're trying to look at it through those glasses. And since I have no expertise in that, I'll just look at it from a completely different angle. You may still choose to do what you're going to do because you may say, well, your analysis is incorrect or incomplete or whatever the case may be. But at least I'll be a resource to have just that completely different viewpoint on it. And I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. In everything, not just money, but in no, all areas. No, absolutely. Rarely is it about the numbers. I think most of us, if we don't know the numbers, we know where we can get the numbers. It's always about managing between our ears. I think that's lesson number one, manage between your ears. Lesson, lesson number two, get disabled. Don't go golfing with my buddy who brags about um, your golf swing. Probably not a good idea. My emotions want to hug right now, Joe. Got to keep moving as OG tries to inch around the table. The numbers say no hugs, but my heart says hugs. We're going to have to hug quick then because Elle Martinez is coming down to the basement. She is the host of the Couple Money Podcast and has a brand new book called, come on. Work with me here, people. Couple money. Couple money. Okay. Yes. Is this only one copy that was sent again? Whether you're single, this is an electronic copy. So whether you are single, dating, just have friends, whatever, we're going to talk about one aspect of the book that I really like, and you know how much I like this, OG, the money date. And how do you do the money date? And whether it's finding an accountability partner and just hanging out with them or it's your spouse, we're going to talk about how to set up and run an effective money date because Elle's got a great way to do it. Let's say hello to Elle Martinez coming down to the basement. And Elle Martinez from Couple Money joins us. Welcome to the basement. Hey, this is a, this is a different experience, Joe. Thanks for, I guess, letting me in. <laughs> I, I love how you call it different. That's so passive aggressive. Well, I thought you'd tidy up just a little bit. Well, I feel like I've known you forever, and I can't believe it's your first time down here. I have known you forever. Yes, yeah. I I can see why you're avoiding this, but I mean, today's a good day. It's a good day. It is a good day, and I'm very pleased that you've got this awesome book tour going. And I thought, if you didn't mind, I want to peel off one piece of the book Couple Money. But before we get to that, I want to read just the first line from your introduction, It says, let me be upfront. Money's not the most important thing in life, but it can be a huge source of frustration, stress, and tension in a marriage. Was it a source or has it been a source of frustration, stress, and tension in your marriage? (laughs) Yes. By that laugh, I'm, I'm confirming your theory. Yes, it definitely was when we first started out. And we thought we were being smart because we did the money talk. That was good and bad in a way. I would call it a beautiful disaster. What do you mean by the money talk? Is it like the birds and bees talk? (laughs) It feels like that much pressure. With the money talk, we thought we're going to lay out all our numbers and we're just going to do this before we get married because we heard from so many people how money is such a big issue. And I thought we were on the same page. My fiance, now husband, thought we're on the same page. I mean, come on, we're broke college kids. It can't be that hard. And we discovered... I had the trifecta of debt. I had the credit cards, the car loan, and some student loans. And he had a small student loan. 
So we knew immediately something had to give. But for anyone that's listening, please do not do the money talk. That is the worst thing you can do. Why? No spouse, well, no spouse loves to hear, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> There's like alarms going off. That's a natural response. So did you say that to him or did he say that to you? I said it, okay. which is kind of audacious considering I was the one with the debt. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got to talk about my debt. Let's talk about money, obviously. Right. Uh, by the way, I have debt. <laughs> I got a bunch of but, debt. Let's get married more quickly so I can make it your debt. Yes, let's make it ours together. <laughs> but uh, it, it was good to talk about money because fast forward years later, we paid off over $35,000 of debt. Uh, we set up our finances so we can retire early. And I'm able to work from home with the kids, which is an opportunity I feel very grateful for. Yeah, because it's as much about meeting your goals. And you talk about this quite a bit in your book and on the site, Couple Money, and in your podcast about it's as much about your goals as it is, is about becoming wealthy. Yeah, I think if I could summarize it, I think most couples are looking for options. When they're talking about uh, finances, they don't really care how much is in the bank account. They just want enough to do what they're uh, dreaming about, their goals, their hopes. You know, some people want to retire early. Some people want to travel more. So if you have enough money in the bank to take care of that, I think couples are happy. So getting the finances squared away is a huge step and it relieves a lot of tension, believe me. So let's go back to you say, uh, we need to talk. And you say, <laughs> I have all this debt. More than him, what was his response to that? He still married you. He did. He did. So I, I give kudos to him. And one advantage of having a podcast is I interviewed him. And years later, he told me the truth. Because at that time, he's like, <laughs> okay, we will we'll work through this and we'll, uh, we'll figure out a way. But he told me he was scared to death. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you didn't seem crazy when we were you know, hanging out. You didn't seem like you're a big spender. But having those conversations was important because he got to ask how I got into that and why. So it wasn't like I was gambling. I definitely had lifestyle inflation in the case of I deserve it. I work hard and I was spending more than I should as a working college student. But we came up with a plan together. And I'm happy to say that's actually been a good thing because it's helped set us up for goals that we're working on now. Did he pay off the debt with you or did uh, or did you coordinate off and say, this piece is mine from before the relationship and I'm taking care of this myself? I kind of felt that way. I felt like, okay, I got myself into this mess. Let me get myself out. He didn't, but I will say I am slightly competitive by nature. So when I found out that he had less debt than me, I made a promise that I was going to pay off my credit cards before the wedding. And that's actually how I started writing about personal finance. I saw these other sites and blogs that had that. And I thought, well, if they could do it, I could do it. And that kind of got me set in uh, my course now. So it was an accountability thing. Couple money was an accountability thing for you. Yes, it definitely was something that I felt also needed to be addressed because there are a lot of great personal finance sites. But at that time, I couldn't find anything that covered all those awkward, funny and uh, just crazy situations when it's two people trying to work together on something as big as money. Right. Everything from the beautiful times to the dumpster fires. <laughs> yes. And uh, dealing with the in-laws That's and loaning <laughs> money to family. That's like my most popular post and podcast to date. Is, <laughs> loaning I was, money to family. <laughs> I was wondering if the in-laws is your next book. Oh, my goodness. That would be uh, a runaway bestseller. I should have started off with that because everyone has a story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. 
my father-in-law was my best friend when he was alive and the family's wacky. I love them, but but they are they're they're sometimes I think of them as they say in the south a hot mess. You know that term? <laughs> I'm very fortunate. I really love my in-laws and they're great, but we definitely have different personalities. So I think my my mother-in-law is incredibly generous and fantastic, but our sense of humor is like complete opposite. So we never laugh at each other's jokes. It's kind of awkward at family reunions. <laughs> get it, mom. Well, get have it, to get laugh it. at both of us. Come on, mom. Get it. Yeah. Well, let's peel off one piece of the book. And actually, I like this to peel off this piece because I don't think you have to be a couple to even do this piece. And it's this idea of money dates. When did you come up with the idea of having a money date? Or did you steal the idea in an Austin Cleon steal like an artist kind of way? Oh, I love Austin. No, it's bits and pieces. I didn't see anyone like get excited about money dates like I am. But maybe it's because I had the money talk and I realized that there's got to be a better way. That's not us. That is not us at all. For me, having a money date is like you mentioned, it's accountability and that's an advantage when you're married, your accountability partner's your roommate and your partner. So we um, set it up to be fun. It's not just like pulling out the spreadsheets and playing the blame game and the numbers. It's reviewing our numbers, of course, but most of all, it's what goals are we working on and we're talking it over and we're kind of giving a check-in with each other. So we like to keep it fun. Oh, we're going out. Actually, tomorrow's going to be our money date slash date date, Wonder Woman, dinner, and uh, going over the numbers. So that's a combo. Wonder Woman. I'm trying to. <laughs> it's coming out. I'm trying to find, out. A, find a joke there. I thought I, I, I thought you were having a date with a third person. I'm like, well, this is kind of kind of. And then I realized that's a movie. Yeah, gotcha. So okay, at dinner then during your date, that's when you're going to talk money. Yeah, just relax. I, I suggest having a drink, but that's my personal preference. I know our friend Shannon loves martinis. I'm more of a red wine or pull out. Um, home brew or craft beer. But basically with a money day, I start off with the wins. I'm a big believer that you should celebrate the wins that you have. You want this to be a positive experience. So what you do is you talk about what went well the last month. You know, you have some goals that you're working on and with your budget. And then afterwards, talk about some numbers that you have. And there's so many great apps out there now, Joe, that can pull up the numbers. You don't have to be uh, digging through for hours with all the accounts. I know we have several accounts between us, but it, you pull it up on your phone and you can talk about what you see, what's going well, and then planning ahead for next month. Like if you have a vacation coming up or in our case, getting something fixed with our basement, we'll plan ahead and we'll make sure that the money's in the bank. You say that kind of judgy, like fixing the basement, like I should be doing the same. <laughs> I feel this. No, 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 no judgment, no judgment. Everyone, you know, keep their basement the way they want it. I, I, I feel this, this heat, this, yeah, whatever, Joe, we're fixing our basement. Well, let's jump into the wins then, celebrating the wins. Let's say that you're just starting out. Like what types of things constitute a win? Well, I know a lot of people imagine big wins, but even small wins. Say that you guys agreed that for this week, you're going to brown bag lunch for two times this week. That's a win, especially if you're someone that eats out a lot. I would also say if you guys found ways to save money on groceries, anything that you feel is different that moves you closer to your goal, you should celebrate. So even if it was a bad week, still start off with the wins. Yeah. I mean, money can be so stressful. I feel like if you open it up with an attitude of, you know what, we're in this together, we're a team, 
you'll come out so much further ahead because you know that you're working on the same side to beat the dead or if you're trying to save more for a goal. And if you open up with something positive, it makes it easier when you jump into the numbers. So you celebrate the win first to kind of set the mood. And then the Mm -hmm. next thing that you do is review your goals. And I'm assuming that's to kind of build the framework of everything you're going to talk about and have that at the top of your mind. Yeah. So what I talk about in the book basically is a lot of times people have a hard time reaching their goals because they're very vague. I mean, because we're busy, there's so much to think about. It take retirement. Everyone says, okay, well, how much do you need to save for retirement? But that's not the way you should start it out. When you're looking at your goals, you should imagine what your life is after the money's all squared away and then work backwards to what pieces do we need to have in place. So you'll have the big goal that you're working towards. Maybe it's early retirement. Maybe it's buying a house. And then you have the smaller goals that you're working for, like getting rid of the credit card debt. When you review your goals, it's just a reminder because let's be honest, it's hard when you're paying down debt to stay motivated. So if you can remind yourselves why you're doing this, it keeps you on the path. And um, when I've interviewed couples, this was something that, that kept coming up. They were able to pay six figures of debt because they had a very clear vision of what they were going to do. Well, yeah, because it's also easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, especially when you have children. I mean, you just get caught up in school and life and work and stuff. And yeah, this debt will be here next month, but I got to do this thing with my kid today. Yeah. And I also noticed when I was interviewing couples that have done some extraordinary things, they kept saying we had to prioritize the temptation was to throw money at all these different goals. Like you mentioned, you know, taking care of school, taking care of work, family, retirement, everything. And when you're trying to do everything, you do nothing well. And so having those goals and then working backwards, it kept them focused so they could take care of this and then this and then the pieces were coming together. And it kind of became like its own snowball that they were motivated because they saw these wins happening. You talked about apps and programs earlier that you use. The next step for for you is to review the numbers. Which one do you use? I use personal capital. I find it a, a lot easier to grab not just the transactions and the numbers, but also investments, which we kind of set and forget. Like once we decide how our portfolio is going to be, we just check it to rebalance it. So it's nice to have a big picture view. And then if we need to zoom into transactions, we can do that. Then next is to to, to deal with the hiccups. What do you mean? I'm trying to make it nice. (laughs) What what do you mean by the hiccups? You mean now we're getting into the negative stuff, like what didn't work so well? Yeah. Well, you know what? Life happens. I know in our experience, like I tell my kids, I need you to do this. That is when X happens. And life almost responds the same way. Like, okay, our budget is this tight because we're trying to do this. I just need it to stay put, but, you know, tires need to replace the tires or the brakes need to get fixed. And it happens a lot. So this is a way for you to acknowledge that, you know, you have a bump, but then it's less stressful because you know that, okay, we're going to work on this together and we're going to create a plan so this doesn't happen again or minimize it if it does happen again. I like a line that you have here. I'm going to read. It says, I've heard from so many couples, and we may be guilty of this ourselves, that making assumptions and not keeping each other in the loop created unnecessary headaches that could have been easily avoided. This is every bit. Communication is number one in the budget and personal capital is number two. Oh, yeah. And this is an extreme example, but I interviewed a couple 
this is why you want to deal with hiccups when they're small and you have these regular money dates was basically he did all the numbers and she was like, okay, you know what? You love the numbers. You go for it. And she knew that they were in credit card debt and they were dealing with that. But the years passed and he kept saying yes. He could not say no to his wife and his kids. And it just snowballed and they had $100,000 of debt. And then he had to come to her and say, honey, by the way, we're going to be bankrupt in a couple of weeks. And that is totally extreme, but it shows that if you can deal with it when it's small, having the two sets, two pairs of eyes to look at it, it catches things, it nips things in a bud. And yes, it might be stressful because you may have screwed up with $100 or $200, but that's so much better than $100,000. <laughs> what a run. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, like a financial planner, but I, I do think that... <laughs> It, it might $100, be hundred thousand dollars is quite a big hiccup. I'm not a math whiz, but that just <laughs> seems to be a little difference between those two. And then next we plan for next month. So by saying you plan for next month, your money dates are once a month for us. It's once a month. I know some couples like to do it weekly. Yeah. I met that couple that um, actually did pay off that hundred thousand dollars a day. They do their check-ins twice a week. So every wow. couple decides what they should do. I find like once a month is just enough for us. Yeah. And so you find your rhythm with it. Every couple has, well, and also with kids, it's like getting away, how to find enough time to sit and chat about things. Right. Our money date is just started off on Sunday afternoons and still is on Sunday afternoons because that's when the kids took naps and now they're 21. So uh, no more nap for them. But but it's funny how that tradition stayed, you know, I mean, it's what, 18 years. It's It stayed the same day. And I like it weekly for me because it's 15 minutes because we do it so often, you know, mm -hmm. literally. We, I mean, it is 15, 20 minutes. It is not, uh, it's a bam, we're doing it, we're done. Next is to enjoy the rest of your date. What's that about? You know, this is a crazy concept, but <laughs> <laughs> marriage is fun. <laughs> Going on dates without the kids, that's fun. <laughs> that's relaxing. I think a lot of people, when they say, okay, we're going to do this like money date or a budget party, whatever you want to call it that we're only going to talk about the numbers, but that's not the point. The, the point is to focus on what your money's doing for you, but at the same time, just relax and enjoy. And I think it puts money in perspective and it helps you guys not stress out as much. The book is uh, Couple Money and it's kind of, uh, you create like this, it's like this month long adventure, L, where you take this and it's meant to be completed over four weeks, right? Yeah, I wanted to keep it as simple as possible. A lot of the couples I've interviewed, they just have a full life and that's great. You know, people would much rather hang out with their kids than pour over a spreadsheet. So that's what I made the plan. The book basically is a lot of activities, conversations, because, you know, we talk about, well, let's share the numbers. How do you have that first conversation about the numbers? I include little starters and what you could do to ask and open up. So let's break it up. What are the four weeks? The first one is about creating that roadmap. So you're going to be, think of it like an epic vacation. You have a starting point and you have a place where you want to go. So the first one is where do you want to go with your life in five years, 10 years? Picture that. And then I show you the tools, how you can get an easy and quick financial snapshot of where you're going. Because once you have those two points, then you can create a plan on how you're going to get there. And then the second week is building a budget that you both love. Yes, it's possible. And then making your money work for you because 
I'm so busy. It's nice having an automatic system that by default, our money is going to go towards our goals. So we don't have to worry about late fees or missing some bills. That's taken care of. And the third week is the reality is there is a lot of times where our budget is tight. So we look at ways you can save and make more money to build up that buffer and boost your bottom line. And then the last week, I wanted it to be fun. You know, every couple is different. What we're working towards is going to be different than what you guys are working towards or whoever's listening. The most common goals I got were traveling for less, starting a family, buying a home. And if you want to retire early, I give you a lot of information you can use so you can make your own adventure and create a plan that you guys both love. It's so exciting. Where's it available? It is available right now, Amazon for pre-order, and it will be released tomorrow, June 13th. Yeah. How, how exciting is that? I'm very excited. Um, it's wedding season, and I actually do have a cousin that's planning her wedding, so this is a nice gift for her. So you're giving her a copy of your book as a gift? I know. Isn't that bad? No, I'm not just giving that. <laughs> is that like a... Is that like a are you a complete narcissist? Thanks for inviting me to the wedding. Here you go. <laughs> it's autographed. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I did write it with her in mind. So, you know, a real person. <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's so awesome. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk about your awesome podcast, uh, Couple Money Podcast. Uh, tell everybody about the show. Oh, so basically I interview couples who've done some incredible things like get out of $100,000 of debt, which is insane. I've had several couples talk to me about that. They've started businesses together. They've traveled the world, country, or they've retired early. And we go back and we see what did they do to get there. And we talk about the good, the bad, the fun, the ugly, uh, because it's marriage and money. So it always gets messy. There's there's no ugly. It's all <laughs> it's all rainbows and, and puppies. All hugs. All day, all, all day long. I don't know about you and your husband, but Cheryl and I, just we skip Every day, that's all we do. We don't walk anywhere. We skip through the grocery oh, house. Yeah. Well, we frolic, but only on the weekends. <laughs> frolic, what a great word. Thanks for hanging out, Elle. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, here. And you remember we met back at the top of the show, right? Yeah, you got it. Hey, the Joe's conversation with Elle about money dates really got me thinking about a new way to approach women. What if I tell them we'll talk about well, money and stuff. Get it all out in the open right off the bat. We'll talk about lines of credit over or stuervres. Uh, maybe pour a little wine and discuss exchange-traded funds. Oh, yeah. No secrets between old Doug and the ladies. Speaking of secrets, here's today's question. What percentage of people responding to a 2011 poll admitted to lying to their partners about their finances? I'll be back with the answer after I call up Gertrude and ask about her FICO score. You know, down here in the basement, we only like to partner with companies we're proud to put our name behind. So we're excited to announce our newest sponsor to the Stacky Benjamin Show, M1 Finance. Recently sat down with Brian Barnes, CEO and founder, and asked him what makes M1 Finance unique. M1 is one of the only automated investing platforms that allows you to customize the portfolio that you invest in. It creates a lot more engagement and fun in investing while still being easy and low cost. Anybody who's tried online investing tools or used to compromises. Do you pick a traditional self-directed brokerage that hits you with commissions at every trade or an automated machine makes you hand over the reins? Don't compromise. Scratch out commissions at every turn. Take back control of your own portfolio 
and take advantage of the uniqueness that's M1 Finance. Takes minutes to sign up. Start by heading over to stackybedjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. M1 Finance, be invested. Disclaimer, by the way, both Cheryl, my spouse, and I use M1 Finance. It works for us, but you need to do your own homework. Hey, it's Doug again, back more quickly than I thought. When I asked Gertrude her FICO score, she told me, quote, mind my own business. How's that for hard to get? That's so Gertrude. Does that mean she wants to start a business with me and have me mind it? Probably. Ambiguity. Ha. Well, at least there's no ambiguity in today's trivia answer. The question was this. According to a 2011 National Endowment for Financial Education poll, what percentage of people admitted to lying to their partner about money? The answer? Nearly one-third. 31% of Americans who responded to a poll admitted lying to their partners about their finances. Sometimes the lie was small, like a hidden purchase, but sometimes it was big, like a gambling problem or ordering a second helping of that fantastic Bloomin' Onion thingy. Of the people who admitted to lying, 67% of them said the lie led to a fight, which led to mistrust, and in some instances, divorce. Ouch! Another reason to ask your dates right up front about their money. I wonder if Ethel will tell me how much she has in her purse, if you know what I mean. I think you were within the margin of error. I'd say so. I said 37. You said 31. I think you're right there, man. It's this, this game here is like horseshoes you know? and hand grenades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd rather Close play, counts. I'd rather play horseshoes. Let's, oh no. Playing hand grenades is so. Cool. Yeah. I'm still going with uh, no hand grenades for me, but let's do this. Actually, before we get to that, thanks again to El Martinez for coming down to the basement. I want to talk to you for a second. Uh, El proves again, OG budgets are not about the sexy spreadsheet. It's about the sexy conversation. Yes, totally about the conversation. Keep everybody on the same page. Where's the money? What do we got coming up? What do we got going out? Even if you're single, though, even if you're single, the self-talk is saying it out loud. How many times have you seen the study that if you verbalize it right, you're much more likely to do it? Yeah, yeah, get it out there. So the money date, a fantastic thing. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. It's not your tractor, OG. It's not indoor plumbing. It's family and time. Family and time. You always want to say money, don't you? Yes. I need a (laughs) sticky note that has the... That's why they've created a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online. And qualified, healthy applicants, they can skip the medical exam Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to learn about life insurance the modern way. And as we've talked about a ton in the past, because you can skip the medical exam, it goes very, very fast, much like OG's sex life. No. No? Is that just a vicious rumor? I don't have anything to add. (laughs) We're throwing out the Haven Lifeline today. (laughs) Back to the green room because... Uh, we are all caught up. 
And it's great. You can hear yourself on the show if you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. But we also get some great uh, discussions going in the green room. So I thought I'd uh, ask this one from Susan. Let's throw out the lifeline to her. She says, can we discuss using a small student loan as a tool to establish a good credit history? I hate debt, so it's not something I really want to do. But our oldest had trouble establishing credit after graduation. We cash flowed what wasn't covered by scholarships. I wonder if there's a way to use a student loan to help our next student. He doesn't have a job, but it's always offered loans. Last time, there were two offered. One said Fed Direct Stafford Unsub Loan, and the other was Federal Parent Loan Offer. I have no idea what those are. What type of loan will help his credit score, and will it impact mine? Will I have to co-sign? How long does he need to make payments to help build credit before we can pay the cursed thing off? Thanks for the question, Susan. Let's throw out the lifeline to her OG. By the way, if you want to join us over there in the green room, stackybenjamins.com forward slash green room, just one word scrunched together, and that'll show you how to get into our little Facebook family. I think we should Gosh, talk. This is a terrible idea. Yeah, I think we should talk about using a student loan at all is is not the way to build credit. Right. Like, why would you want to pay interest for the sake of having a FICO score? Like that, no, don't do that. I would say that the best way to do it would be to go down to your credit union, ask them for a $500 credit card, charge your gas purchases on it for a month or two, pay them off every month and be done with it. You'll build credit that way. I did something very similar. I went directly to Magnify Money. And if you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money, they have a credit guide there. And they said to do very much what you said to do, but they gave some credit card ideas, you know, for a first credit card or even a secured credit card, they said. If your kid, for some reason, can't get a regular card, even get a secured card. Well, you could just add them to your own account. In some cases, some companies will report every cardholder. I don't like that. A lot of people in the green room talked about that, about make them an authorized user. And uh, one guy, Luke, said because of that, his credit is great because at a very early age, his parents made him a user. And so his credit age is very old. And that meant that by the time he graduated from college, he already had a decent credit score uh, because of that. But I, I still... I don't know, man. Well, it's risky. I mean, if you give your kid an American yeah. Express card and go, hey, be responsible, and they've never had it before, and you've never talked to them about it, and all of a sudden you get your Amex bill, and it's fourteen grand. Here's what we know. did, because I wasn't going to do that. I, I mean, I trust my kids. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going <laughs> to- But not that much. Well, no, I just thought there was another way. So they applied for one of the cards that Magnify Money said to apply for. They were approved, and it was, like you said, it was like a, it wasn't even 500 it was like a $200 credit line, right? Yeah. So they were approved for a minimal credit line. I had them sign up for Debitize, which for those of you that missed our episode on Debitize, here's how Debitize works. You sign up for Debitize, you give them the name of your credit card and your bank, and what they do is treat your credit card like a debit card. So every time my kids, Nick and Autumn, buy anything using their credit card, it automatically takes the money out of their bank account and uses it to pay the bill. So now the chance that they can get into credit card debt becomes much, much more slim than it was. Especially since it's a $200 limit. Yeah, yeah. Well, between that, and I thought debitize, though, helps them build good habits, right? Pay it off right away. And and the, the, the great idea of automation. So um, One of the problems with that, However, if you don't do it that way, if you don't do the like pay as you go, it's $200 is kind of easy to spend in a month, I think. I mean, I'm looking at it from the perspective of an adult, so maybe it's not as easy as I remember it being, you know, being a kid. But if your credit card statement cuts, 
and you owe $190 against your $200 limit, even if you're paying it in full every month, you're going to get hammered on credit score for being high utilization. So I think another piece of that is in addition to using it frequently, like you're doing it and constantly paying it off for the kids, every three months you need to call and ask to get it increased. Go from a 200 to 500 to a thousand so that if you do leave a $200 balance on a thousand dollar card, it's not going to kill you. We also, a few months ago, we talked about a group called Self Lender out of Austin during our Friday FinTech segment Mm -hmm. where you hand them $500, you put that in a savings account, and then they take out a loan for $500. They approve you for the loan, right? Because they have the money sitting in a savings account. And then they use the $500 you gave them to pay the $500 loan. And it shows this on-time payments. It shows that you had $500 of credit open at one point, paid down. And over the term of that loan, your credit just keeps going up and up at a quicker rate also. And there's a lot there, but that's a self-lender. So that's another option that, that people can do just trying to establish credit at first. I think the overall cost, by the way, of self-lender and like you said, why should it cost anything? But for self-lender, for that program, it's like 12 bucks or 13 bucks. That's the cost of the loan, right? The interest rate on that. Yeah, I would not do the student loan thing, though. No, I would stay away from the student loan thing. Thanks for the question, Susan. If you would like us to throw out the Haven Lifeline to you, the traditional way is stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And you know what? You and OG and I can then have a nice little uh, voicemail-ish chat together. Wouldn't oh, wow. that be nice? Yeah, be cool. Stegabenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. We also get letters to the show. Doug uh, just dropped off this letter from our new friend, Julian. Julian says, I contribute monthly to my Roth IRA enough to max it out for the year and was wondering if I should wait until there's a good chunk of cash in the account to make a trade or if I should have automatic monthly trades set up similar to how a 401k would work. If I should do monthly trades, do you recommend the commission-free ETFs my brokerage offers? I've done some research, and the ones available seem pretty lackluster. Thanks for the question, Julian. So which way does he go? Does he wait and make one trade, or does he uh, do it uh, as soon as the cash gets there? I do it as soon as the cash gets there and use the commission-free options. And if you have a brokerage account that has crappy options, I suggest you find a different brokerage account. A, they're a dime a dozen. And another great option would be to use M1. Yeah. Right? Because it's going to be probably less expensive than the commissions that you'd incur if you were doing it. Yeah, the money gets gets added immediately. It goes right into your pie. It's, uh, yeah. You can set it up. You can have them set it up. You can do a little both. Yeah. Not, not. I, I wouldn't wait. There's no, there's no need to wait. And if you're, if you're waiting because of a cost issue, then find a solution that addresses the cost issue, not uh, not the other way you around. Know, and if he's unwilling to move, then sometimes if the commission-free ETFs, if they've bumped up the internal cost to the point that it doesn't really make sense that much, uh, you know, traditionally, back in the day, before commission-free ETFs existed, we'd tell people, if you're dollar-cost averaging, use a no-load mutual fund, right? And do it that way. And if you're lump-summing in, then use an ETF, because then you keep the trade costs lower. So, you know, switch over from an ETF to a low-cost uh, index mutual fund if that's what he's looking for. Uh, if, and if cost is the issue, there's plenty of no-load, low-cost mutual funds out there. And most brokerage companies will waive the commission if you set up a systematic purchase. Yeah. So if you're doing $100 a month into ABC fund, they're probably going to waive the commission anyway. 
Gotcha. So check it, check that out. Yeah. Uh, check, 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 check it out. Thanks for the letter. If you have a note, once again, the Haven Lifelines, the way to go, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. However, if you'd like to write us a letter, we're getting caught up, OG, which is really cool. Head also to stackybenjamins.com. At the top of the page, it says questions for the show and uh, write us a love letter. Uh, you can also send those to Joe at stackybenjamins.com. And we're very happy to answer your questions. By the way, if you've got complex questions or ongoing questions, we talked earlier a little bit about having somebody in your corner. Oh, geez, taking clients. And uh, that means to get on his calendar, here's what you do. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O and the letter G. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. And uh, that'll lead you to his calendar and you can talk about what it takes to get him in your corner. Big news for us, guys. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who listens to the show. I was so amazed to find out last week that we were nominated for a big industry award. The Academy of Podcasters has an award. Obviously, this isn't important to anybody except people in podcasting. This is our peers uh, who nominated us, which is funny because we don't spend a ton of time talking to our peers. I don't spend as much time as I should talking to our peers. We spend most of our time with the Stacking Benjamins community, but in the business category, Best Business Podcast 2017 nominees, there were 10 and we were one of the 10. And we were by far, by far the smallest audience show. And I'm deeply uh, flattered and just, it's unbelievable, OG. You're speechless. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just don't know what to say. Listen to these shows that we're up against. The Jocko Podcast. Of course, you know Jocko. The Navy Seal. Uh, Planet Money. The Art of Charm. The Tim Ferriss Show. Smart Passive Income. So Never heard of any of these people. <laughs> Social Media Marketing Podcast. The Ray Edwards Show. How I Built This. The Pitch and Stacking Benjamins are the 10 choices. The way they get nominated, the top five in the business category automatically are nominated. Then they pull the rest of them. They have a uh, 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 nominating team that nominates five other podcasts. And I think in the business category overall, we're somewhere around number 85. And so there were, you know, takeaway five. There were the top five that are automatically nominated. There were 80 choices that have a, a bigger listenership than we have. The, to choose before us. So uh, really excited about so that. So we got some love. Yeah. We'll I told you it was all about hugs earlier today. We'll find out in August whether we win or not, August 23rd. And I was joking with somebody the other day. I, they said, so what are you, what are you going to say if you win? I said, I'd walk up there and I'd say, I'd like to thank all the little people. Oh, wait, we are the little people. <laughs> we're, we're the little tiny people. So... Yeah, but thanks thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody who's left us a review of the show. Those have been fantastic. And uh, thank you for listening. It's It's been an amazing ride, and we absolutely love doing it. All right, enough, uh, enough virtual hugs there, OG. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, don't have disability insurance. Your ability to work is your biggest asset, so get covered. Second, the key to your money? Take Al's advice and try a money date. Communicating your decisions about money is the biggest key to success. But the big lesson? Don't try to have money dates with people you just met. Apparently, walking up to strangers in line at the Sizzler and asking them if they'd like to maybe get together and swap credit scores is, quote, annoying and, quote, aggressive. Jeez, I asked politely. Some people. 
Special thanks to L from the Couple Money Podcast. You can find the Couple Money Podcast and blog at couplemoney.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Steve, the Sizzler Manager, for giving me another chance. He said as long as I don't talk to anyone about their HELOC, I'm good to go. But he didn't say anything about money market interest rates. Maybe that's the pickup line I'm looking for. We haven't talked television in a while, and I wanted to talk a little TV. What are you watching? Um, absolutely nothing. I, uh, I I have a quick a quick like fifteen second movie review. We don't even need to play it. I could just do it if you want me to do it. Yeah. No. Bad Moms totally sucks. Oh my god, I love that movie. Oh god. Was, I thought that movie was fantastic. Oh no. What did you like about that. Bad Moms? It Everything. Was, it was terrible. Oh, that movie was so good. I was sitting there halfway th- I mean, like literally forty minutes into it. I'm I'm looking at Mrs. OG going, I, I, I'm gonna go play on my phone. I can't watch any of this trash. Did, did she laugh her head off through it? Did she like no, it? No, neither of us did. It wasn't oh, funny. My god. It was great. I thought it was. I thought it was very. I thought it was. Very, Are we talking about the same movie? I thought it with uh, Christina Neil Applegate. Kunis, yeah, Christina yeah. Applegate. Yes, that was a funny movie to you. I thought it was funny. I really anyway. did. Well, I, there went my fifteen-second review. So you guys be the judge. Joe thinks it was the greatest movie of the year. I didn't think uh, it was. OG did, thinks it's the I worst did, movie of all time. I did not. So I did not think that. I thought the it was right a, answer is somewhere in between there. I thought it was a trashy movie. That's but I thought miserable. it was, I thought it was so, so funny. I, I was, I, in fact, I remember thinking to myself, if I would have gone to the movies to see this, this would have been the movie that I walked out of. You're kidding. You're kidding me. Yep. No, I'm not kidding. Well, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. On to, uh, on to things that we're watching. We just happened to see another episode of Chef's Table. Me so, too. Uh, so, that's, so. Uh, that's exactly the show I wanted to talk about. Don't you love okay. that? 
it's very kind of cool. The problem is, is that most of these places are all over the world. <laughs> you know, I got a baby, so I'm not going anywhere. for Which one did you watch, though? Um, um, I can't remember because I was kind of half asleep. But Oh, good. That's a great review. Uh, which, yeah, I love that show. Can't remember what the hell happened during Mrs. It. OG was watching it mainly. I, I, I wanted to have her watch it and see if she liked it. So I was kind of zoning right. out. Right. You were trying to slip ATM receipts into her pocket. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> we, I saw one yesterday and it's a guy who does ramen. And all people know in the U.S., of course, is instant ramen, right? So you hear ramen, you did, you don't think anything, you know, anything. Yeah. It's a big deal. But of course, in Japan, it's a huge deal. This guy went to Japan after working at um, is it called Lafitte, the longtime famous restaurant? Well, anyway, worked for this amazing restaurant for an amazing chef. Goes to Japan, gets married, and he starts eating ramen. His wife convinces him because he keeps talking about the complexity and whatever, and she keeps pushing him. He keeps feeding her his ramen, and she's like, no, you can do better, you can do better, you can do better. And it turns out he opens up a restaurant. The number one critic comes to his restaurant. And, of course, they simplify it, right? If you're a nobody, especially a foreigner, who opens up a ramen restaurant with 10 tables, how does the number one ramen critic in Japan come to your restaurant on day one without any type of knowing what you're doing? So, but, but the restaurant critic comes, loves it. He ends up with this line out the door every day of people love his ramen. He comes back to the United States, makes his, uh, it's, it's Ivan ramen. And it it is just fascinating to see somebody who takes this little slice of life and gets so passionate about it that he's the best one, you know, uh, it, it, it is, it's just so amazing. And, and I've watched episodes with a woman doing that with bread, uh, uh, people with cheese, you know, um, with pairing wines with different, it just, it's so cool to watch these people just get into the craft of it. I've never heard of any of them. And I just think it's, it's amazing. And you want to have them all over to dinner. I want to go to their places. A friend of mine on our run this morning, uh, was telling me about his son is in Mexico city right now for 20 hours. He got a 20 hour layover. I'm like, there is a place in Mexico city. I really want to eat. And it was on chef's table. And that was totally why I wanted to eat there. He's, uh, not going to go, but anyway. Yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't say House of Cards. You know what? I'm two seasons behind. Me too. Well, I'm three, I didn't, I'm three I, seasons we, behind. We watched the last season I saw in its entirety was season three. And I saw the first part of season four, like the first episode or two. But I was waiting for Mrs. OG to catch up and she never caught up. So what about Orange is the New Black? Never watched any of those shows. Oh, I thought you watched that one too. No? No. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of sports on right now. So we like watching the um, softball championships, the Women's College World Series. Super fun to watch. Um, so that's that, that kind of occupied some time here. All the playoffs, all the, you know, brackets. Sure. Um, to get to the championship. The um, kids just get done with school. So they're ending baseball, starting swimming. In-laws been in town. Just... Stuff never ends. Just... Uh, it, the meters run, and there's, there's, and there's mom. that one. There's just there's fixing to crank it up right now. There's 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 mom. All right, we'll see everybody back here on Wednesday. All right, see ya. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is. Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, 
who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 